Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And yes, I'm so glad that you are here today. Now let's receive the tithes and offerings first as an act of worship unto the Lord most high. And let's examine today Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. My friends, the choice is ours, but God commands that we make the right choice and we can make the decision whether our life is going to be full and we reach the potential that God has sown into our human heart, or we could come up short. And I tell you, there will be those Christians that will go to heaven and they will realize when they get there that something they were supposed to have learned on the earth, they never learned it. They never received it. And therefore, because of that, there were some things that God had for them that they were never able to step into. And my friends, we need to be obedient to the commandments of God, and we need to honor the Lord with the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is 10% of all of our increase. It's, of, it's 10% of all of our income. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there are those that are in the church on the earth and they don't understand it. And for some, they never will. Maybe they're not taught, but at the same time, maybe they're not seeking. And so because of that, they're not going to experience the full life like Abraham had, you know, you could sit in church and you could sing some, some of the uh, Christian songs that uh, like one song says, I'm, I'm of the seed of Abraham. And it's a really good song, but the thing is, is that because we are in Christ, Abraham's blessing has now come upon all believers in Christ. But you have to do the works of Abraham, not from a legalistic standpoint, but you still want to operate in faith like Abraham did. And Abraham was a tither. Now, a person might say, well, that was under the Old Testament. That was under the Mosaic law. But he was tithing hundreds of years before it was ever made a law. And then God commanded that it would be a law. But my friends, Abraham was tithing by faith. So if we want the full life and we want the completion of our assignment, then we need to be like Abraham and we need to be tithers and give God the 10% that belongs to him. Praise the Lord. You know, there are some ministers today that speak very strongly against tithing and very strongly also against the word of faith message or what we would often also attach that to as being the prosperity and healing message. But I would ask you to just sit back and think for a moment and consider those who are speaking that misinformation. Maybe they're doing it um, without really fully understanding what they're doing. But in many ways, it's quite self-deceptive. I'll give you an example. There's one preacher, very well known in America. I'm not going to say his name. That's not necessary. 
But he is adamantly opposed against tithing and anything that has the fragrance of prosperity. He just blasts it and tries to rip it apart. And he's a very popular minister here in America. But did you know that that same preacher who hates prosperity that he charges, if you want to go to one of his conferences, you're going to pay $150 to go hear him talk about how bad prosperity is. The hypocrisy and the blindness of some of these people is absolutely staggering. Did you know that there are certain ministers that speak boldly against prosperity and they wear a Rolex watch while they're at home or while they're kind of doing things like low key, but they take it off when they step up to the pulpit. Why? Because they're hypocrites. They are absolute frauds in this area where they're not genuine. They're not genuine at all. And the truth is, is that many that speak against God's financial plan for your life, which includes prosperity, which includes what Abraham had, the full picture, the full development of God's plan for your life, they speak against it. But have you ever noticed the homes that the critics live in? Why is it they, they would criticize your prosperity while they live in a million dollar or multi-million dollar home? Literally, you can go, you can go pull it up on the internet. <laughs> See, I'm not hiding behind scripture and trying to uh, use it to manipulate something. I believe in prosperity. I'm not apologizing for it. I believe in God's health plan for your body. I don't apologize it uh, for uh, the truth that God is a healer, that God is Jehovah Jireh. God will take care of you. That Abraham was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. I went out recently and saw a very good movie on the life of Abraham. And the, the climax of the movie was really good. I thought it was a very good take. And uh, of course, when you're doing a movie, a Christian movie, you have the scriptures to go by, but that's going to leave room for the um, director's uh, interpretation of how these things unfold. And we can allow grace for that. But I thought all in all that the end impact was good. But I told my wife, I said, you know, the movie portrayed Abraham as like being poor, as being some kind of like almost like a desert Bedouin. And I'm not criticizing the movie because it had a very good message and it ended really well. But uh, how can a person make a movie about Abraham and not read the scriptures that he was loaded with money? <laughs> how could we have him looking so dirty and so uh, disheveled? And I mean, he had he had over 300 servants. He had all of his livestock. He was basically a modern day cattle rancher because up until the time of Abraham, all of the other livestock workers, such as the Philistines and all, whenever they had their cattle and they, they finished grazing in an area and there's no more grass and there's no more water, they had to move. So if you wanted to buy a cow, you had to find out, hey, where did the cow dealership move to? They were here last week. Well, they moved because there's no more grass. Okay, so you have to track them down. But Abraham was the first one that dug wells, discovered water, and was located on a central uh, highway that all of the desert travelers went through. And so he was, as they say in the car business, right on the, right on the money, right on the spot. He had the right price. He had the right location. He had water. He didn't have to 
keep moving over and over again, and he became very wealthy. Praise the Lord. But oh, some of these um, ministers that just uh, rail on uh, prosperity and those who preach it, look at their life. Have you ever stopped to think, I wonder what kind of car they're driving? And you go look, and they're driving a brand new car. Now, it might not be a, uh, a Ferrari, uh, but it might. Don't be surprised if they're driving brand new Mercedes. They're driving $70,000 cars while they tell you that you're not supposed to be blessed. So you have to think, are, are they actually doing this on purpose? Are they, are they like self-deceived, or are they just like, what's the goal? I don't know, but the, um, the, the level of hypocrisy and self-deception, it can be pretty thick sometimes. But my friends, I want you to know the choice is yours. Look, um, God instructs us. He commands us to tithe. You see that the blessings of the old and the blessings of the new merge together in Christ. And you have a lot of people, they'll say, well, we're only in the new. We don't need the old. But yet they'll quote the Old Testament blessings because they want them too. And they'll quote Psalm 91 of divine protection. And they'll quote, they'll quote Psalm 1, that they're like a tree by the river and they're drawing the water and they're fruitful. And they're quoting all these Old Testament verses, but they won't quote the prosperity verses. Oh, my Wow. My friends, God wants you blessed, but the choice is yours. Who you listen to, the Word of God that you allow to come into your heart and uh, position you for blessing and increase. Once again, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You can have a life like Abraham, or you can have a life like a beggar. You could have a life that's full and you hit the target, or you could have a life where you come up short and you criticize things and you go around uh, life grumbling. Uh, you know what grumbling is? It's basically excuse makings for our failure to step up and do the things that God requires of us in order to move forward. That's why a lot of people like to gripe and complain because uh, they're actually hiding behind that their own personal failure to obey the Lord in the areas that he requires obedience. Ouch! Woo! Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, you haven't even gotten to the sermon, and you're already, uh, you're already making me squirm. Life and death, the choice is yours. You can have prosperity and abundance, or you may not have like what we would call hard poverty or penury, but you may live your entire life in lack. You may, in, you may live your entire life where you never have enough to do what God has called you to do. Mm. Now come on over here and obey the Lord and get into the life and get into the blessing. Praise God. And as you line up with the Lord's plan, then the blessings will chase you down and overtake you. Praise God. Now, let's prepare to honor the Lord, to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. Praise God. Now, if you want to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Now, if you want to bring them in online, it's very safe very secure. You can go to stephenbrooks.org, click on the, the link on the homepage that says give, has a red heart, and you can bring your tithes, your offerings in right there. Even at the top of the website, there's another option. It says, it says online giving. You can click that. It'll take you to a page where 
a little drop-down menu. Just click on, the, it says fund, F-U-N-D. Click on that. There's your drop-down menu. Tithes, offerings, special projects, etc. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you make the choice. God's not going to twist your arm. Uh, he wants you to have life, and he commands you to take the right choice. But my friends, make that choice deep in your heart and step into all that God has for you. Now, Father, I thank you for your people that they will not be deceived. We're in the last days. A lot of people are being bought out. A lot of people are selling out. But, Father God, your people are going up, and they're going into the fullness, and they're not about to take their foot off the gas pedal when you have been so good to them. Father, some others, maybe if they've been riding the fence, and they've heard some wrong voices, and that's affecting their spirit. That's affecting their uh, quick obedience. So, Father, let them make that choice, and I thank you, Father God, it will not only affect them, but also their descendants. Now, we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was in a meeting one time. Uh, there was a, a well-known speaker. I'm friends with him. I know who he is. Have had many uh, wonderful long talks. Uh, I know a lot about him personally, things a lot of people don't know. Um, but at one time in one of these big conferences, one of his workers stood up in front of all the people and said, I'm so glad that that man of God right there, and he pointed to this minister, he said, I'm so glad that that man of God right there is humble and that he's not in the money and he's not all hung up in money. I'm glad that he drives a simple little car and I'm glad that he has a simple little home. And I sat there thinking, you total hypocrite. He doesn't just have a car. He's got multiple cars and the, one he, the ones he have are all real nice. And the home he has is a very nice home and he's got more than one home. <laughs> he's got more than two homes. Homes, and you stand before the people as such a fraud playing this religious hypocrisy. Look, either believe the word or get out. Praise God. But get in. Abraham was rich. He was rich in livestock and cattle. Uh, you know, had all these animals. He was rich in silver and in gold. Let's stop the religious hypocrisy and just believe the Bible. Look, if you don't stand up for the word of God, they're going to fry you on something else anyhow. And since you're going to get fried, or as Jesus would say, persecute it for the hundredfold, you might as well just go ahead and take the blessing anyhow. Praise God. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I tell you, I know that there are those that are listening to me right now. You're watching me right now. And God's not going to just make you a millionaire. He's going to make you a multimillionaire. He's going to take you out into the deep waters financially. And look, he'll do that because you're grounded in obedience of tithes and offerings. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the ride because it is going to be wonderful. All right. Now let's jump into today's message. We're going to be in the book of Leviticus. Let's go over to uh, chapter 11 and talk about going up in the spirit. Praise the Lord. This is your inheritance. This is something that you could hit any day. So for some of you, maybe for the first time, you've never had it happen. You can follow this teaching today and it will take you on that elevator today. Amen. So let's jump into it in Leviticus chapter 11. Let me catch up with you. We're going to be in verse nine and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your good plan. We thank you that you're a good father. And Father, we thank you that as we go into the word now, we ask that your spirit would illuminate the eyes of our understanding that we can walk in this light and enjoy it, take it and apply it 
and always bask in your glory. Now we thank you. Thank you, Father God, that your word works. It's not just theory. It's not just weird stuff. It works 100%. So Father, we th- we t- take these spiritual tools and apply them. And we thank you for the fruitful results in Jesus' name. And we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, Leviticus chapter 11, we're going to be in verse 9. Leviticus is an interesting chapter. If you're new uh, to the Bible as a new Christian, this book basically means pertaining to the Levites. The Levites worked at the tabernacle that Moses had built under God's command. They also worked at the temple that David later built. And of course, they worked at the temple that Herod built, which was the temple that Jesus came into. But the Levites would not be the ones that made the official sacrifices. Only the priest could do that. But the Levites would do a lot of the work. In some cases, they would skin the animals, the domestic animals that were going to be sacrificed. They chopped the wood so there would be firewood. They helped with the bringing in of water. They helped with all of the things that that are needed for a smooth operation. And so that's what this book is about. And it's not just, of course, for the Levites, but here this is for God's people. We are in Leviticus 11, verse 9. These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. Now, I'm not getting today necessarily into the subject of kosher laws, dietary uh, things that the Jews were required to obey. But I will say this, if you, if you do want to eat kosher, which is very healthy, and you're, maybe you love seafood and you've always wondered about it, uh, all you have to know is that it's good to go if it has fi- uh, fins and scales. Now, some fish have fins, like a catfish, but they don't have scales, so it's not kosher, okay? So it has to have those two things. If it does, you're good to go, fins and scales. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. Stay with me today. Again, we're not just talking kosher dietary laws. And these you shall regard. Let's go a little bit further. Verse 13. It's just too good. It's too good. And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagles list it first. If you kill an eagle in America, you go to prison. And rightfully so. It's an endangered animal. It's not just our national symbol, but it's a beautiful bird. And somebody would really have to be sick in the head to kill a majestic creature like that. And so rightfully, yes, they should go to prison. So they were told that uh, you can't eat the eagle, neither the vulture or the buzzard. Let me stop there just for a moment. Uh, In a sense, in Christ, look, you can eat whatever you want. You can eat catfish if you want to. If you want to eat bacon or pork, you can. I grew up on a farm in Mississippi. And you know, later in life, when I uh, got older and I studied the Bible, I, uh, I realized that sometimes the, the stew or the goulash that like my grandmother would cook, literally everything in that pot was unclean. There was, um, there was like uh, 
catfish may be thrown in, and then hog's feet thrown in, and then throw some bacon in, and then throw something else, and before you know it, maybe throw some crawfish in there, and everything in there really is actually unclean. <laughs> it had been a nightmare for any Jew. <laughs> but you have to understand, in the, uh, if you go to Israel today, and you went to Jerusalem, and you talked to some very orthodox Jewish rabbis, you'd have to understand that in their way of thinking, which is based on the Torah, that if it's not kosher in their mind, it's not food. It's not food. It doesn't matter if you can still eat it and put it in your mouth and chew it and your body can even digest it and, you know, push it out as waste. That, that, that doesn't matter. In their mind, if it's not clean, if it's not kosher, it's not even food. It's not food. You don't eat it. You don't put it in your mouth. This is very interesting. So that would mean that catfish, lobsters, oysters, shrimp, I hope I'm not making you hungry, crabs, clams, mussels, squid, I'm actually calling out some of the things that some of you really love, frogs, octopus, I mean, you, you talk about the Japanese people, uh, they love it, they, uh, they, they love all of the, uh, especially like octopus and clams, I have a... Um, minister friend of mine, he's Chinese, he's, and he told me this, this is not like an ethnic joke, but he said in many ways it's true, and he's Chinese, and he told me, he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, he said, if Adam would have been a Chinese man, uh, the sin problem never would have happened. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, Adam would have seen the snake, would have caught it, skinned, uh, killed it, skinned it, and ate it, <laughs> because he said, we as Chinese, if it crawls, we're going to catch it, kill it, and eat it. <laughs> now, there are Chinese Jews that follow kosher laws. And uh, yes, look, when the dispersion happened with the Jewish people, uh, they went into Assyrian captivity, later Babylonian captivity. The 10 tribes were scattered literally eventually all over the place. And there were those that went to uh, Pakistan. There were Jews that went to India. And yes, there were Jews that went to Japan and even China. And so there are um, they even uh, have their own synagogues, even today, in those places. So you wouldn't find them uh, eating these types of things, but some people love it. And I'll tell you what, here in North Carolina, you've never seen so much pork eaten as you've ever believed. I, uh, I know in Texas, where I used to live, there was a lot of uh, beef barbecue. But here in North Carolina, for those uh, other of you Carolinians watching me, you know that, oh man, uh, people eat uh, pig like crazy around here. All the barbecue is pork. And uh, I don't like it. I, uh, I don't like, I know a, a lot of barbecues with pork, the seasoning and the barbecue sauce is real thick. But I'll tell you what, if you ever take away all of the seasoning, all the sauce, and just eat cooked raw pork, uh, to me it produces a gag reflex. Uh, it doesn't taste good. You know, when Jesus, cast, uh, a little side journey just for a moment, when Jesus cast the legion demon out of the swine and 2,000 uh, of these, uh, actually thousands of these spirits come out of the pigs and the whole herd of pigs ran into the, into the Sea of Galilee and they all drowned and died. Did you know what the pigs were for? Oh, that's a good question, Pastor Stephen. What in the world would somebody be doing raising, raising thousands of pigs? Why were there so many pigs? That was food for the Roman army. Those were pig farmers raising pigs, and that was the bacon, and that was the pork, and the fat back, and the ham hocks for the Roman army. Remember, the Romans were from where? From uh, Rome, Italy, and the Italians love ham. Say praise the Lord. Amen. 
Pastor Stephen, this is all very interesting. Yes. So look, you could you can eat shrimp if you want, still go to heaven. Uh, but there are some things you can tell. I think I probably should put the brake on the vulture. Yes, you should. The vulture, the buzzard. There's just something uh, inside of us that says I probably shouldn't be eating that old bu- that buzzard. I mean, even if you're hungry, you probably don't want to ever eat a buzzard. Because what are they? They are God's garbage trucks. They eat that which is dead. They have uh, designs in them that God put in them to be able to deal with all of the. Uh, awful bacteria and all of the yucky stuff and they can do it and they're just fine. But if you eat them, um, you know, a lot of the stuff is microscopic and, uh, I'm not saying you have to eat kosher, but I am, I am saying that there's a reason God gave these dietary laws, not just as symbols and types, which is what I'm getting to, but also that the ones on the bottom are the ones that are the garbage trucks. You know, if you have a whale in the ocean, let's say a, a giant blue whale that lived his life out, he's, the, he's about the length of a football field, and he dies and sinks to the bottom of the ocean, well, it, that, that dead whale doesn't just sit there. Here come all of the lobsters. Here come all of the crabs. Here come all of the shrimp, and they devour and eat that. So these creepy crawlers and all of this, these are like the filter mechanisms that God has placed within the earth, within the oceans, and within the water to uh, filter and help clean and to help eat stuff up. And uh, that's why they live at the bottom. And ideally, uh, when you see this from God's perspective, ideally you would want to eat from the top of the food chain. Uh, Skip the catfish, go up higher. Okay. Get the halibut, get the sea bass. Woo. Praise God. Now we're get the red snapper. We're talking some good stuff now. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. All right. Um, Look at verse 27. This one's too good to skip over. Verse 27, and whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. What does that mean? It means don't eat the dog and don't eat the cat. And yes, some cultures eat dogs. <laughs> but look, I don't care if I'm starving. I'm not eating Fido. I don't care how hungry I get. I'm not eating that cute little kitty cat. You know, I was talking to a pastor just a few months back, and he told me about this bear he, uh, out in California. He shot and killed this bear. And he said, oh, I'll tell you, Pastor Stephen, he said, bear chili's really good. He's probably never read the book. Well, he's probably honestly never read the book or chapter of Leviticus chapter 11 ever. Uh, that which has paws, that's not really supposed to be for your lunch. Mm. Praise the Lord. Will that keep him out of heaven? No, of course not. <laughs> Might clog up your arteries, but it sure, certainly won't keep you out of heaven. But um, very interesting. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Fins and scales. Yes, again, eat. That's God saying eat at the top of the food chain. Stay away from the creepy crawlies at the bottom. Those things aren't good for you because all of the toxins and poisons that they are assimilating and consuming, that's in those types of creatures. And uh, if you pull out the clams and the oysters, they are absorbing all of those toxins, whether it's lead or mercury or things like that. And if you eat them, it goes straight into you. But your walk with the Lord is very similar where you don't want to be cruising around at the bottom of the ocean where all the rot and where all the creepy crawlies and spooky creatures are at. You want to be at the top. You want to be at the top. Praise the Lord. In other words, get out of the mud and go upward. 
Pastor Stephen, I like catfish. All right, go ahead and eat your catfish, fry it up. But with your walk with God, get out of the mud. Because that's where all the catfish and all those creatures are out there, down at the bottom, looking for something that died, that's rotting, so they can eat it. Matter of fact, a lot of these fish respond that are unclean. They respond to bait that smells like something that's rotting and stinking really bad. Okay. So they're down there in the mud and in the goop and God wants you as a believer to get out of the mud and go upward because the lower, the lower you go, the muddier it gets. And what happens when it gets real muddy? Well, it gets, uh, hard to see. You don't have much visibility. Um, a very rare group of men in the Navy and in the special forces, they're known as saturation divers. And uh, they go down uh, way deep, way beyond what normal scuba divers do. And they go down and they, they, they stay in these like hyperbaric uh, chambers deep, uh, like a, sometimes almost like up to a thousand feet below the surface of the ocean. And they have to breathe the very dangerous mixture of these various gases. And sometimes they stay down there for as long as a month and they go out and they do certain types of work, you know, like for oil companies, you know, checking on the pipes at the bottom of the ocean floor, or who knows, maybe, um, checking on pipelines that mysteriously blow up. Uh, wonder how that explosion happened. Well, you know how it happened those professional divers who are trained in, uh, uh, those type of activities. That's all that's taking place there. They're all, you know, all of that's done in secret. But the thing is, is that when they go down real deep, oftentimes they've reported, you can't see anything. Uh, not only is it a dangerous job, it's even more dangerous when you step out and it's just a, just mud, mud. I've been told the Indian Ocean, though, is very, very clear. I've actually have been to the Indian Ocean, but I've never really been out in it. But even they say at the bottom, it's still just incredibly clear. Praise the Lord. Now, if you go higher, the higher you go, the better visibility you have. And so with your Christian walk, you always want to be going upward, praise the Lord, and moving out of this stuff from the earth realm, not your responsibilities, not your job, not your, your, your faithfulness to your family and your duties and your obligation, but I'm talking about with your walk with the Lord, you have to have that upward lift, praise God. Now, let's go to Psalm 40 just for a moment. Psalm 40. I'm so glad that you're here today. I, I want you to learn these principles. Okay. They're going to help you. Verse one, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me. The Lord doesn't always answer quickly. Sometimes he moves a little slow. Sometimes even if you're stuck, he won't immediately rush in there and pull you out. Lest you think, oh, that was easy. If I get stuck again, it's no big deal. No, God will let you stay there long enough to realize, you know, um, I want to try to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So David, he cried out, but he had to wait. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. So God will hear the cry, but you also have to pray. That's part of our part. God will hear. God will answer. But we need to cry out. We need to say, Lord, help help me in this situation. And the Lord will certainly do that. Now, verse two, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay. Now, many translations such as the NIV and many others say the mud and the mire. But the thing is, is that God got David out of an absolute mess 
that he could not get himself out of. And then the Lord turned him around and set his feet upon a rock and established uh, the steps of David. This is very, very fascinating. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It is true that, now listen carefully, there are some things maybe in your naivety, maybe in your uh, Christian journey of not fully comprehending how serious God was when he said, live this way and don't do these uh, wrong things. We think, well, that's okay. Well, those are, that's what God's saying. And then you realize later in life, wow, God really meant what he said. And the thing is, is that you can get into some things and you may think, oh, I can turn it off anytime I want. Maybe I'll just have a few drinks of alcohol. I can stop. Maybe I can go over here and mess around a little bit. I can back out anytime I want. I'm telling you today, there are some things that you can get yourself into that when you think, okay, I'm going to get out, you realize you can't and you can try and you can kick and you can squirm and you can, you can give it, you can uh, exert your, your willpower and this and that or the other. And there's some stuff you can't get out of. And the only way out is with the Lord. I remember a few years back, Pastor Benny Hinn shared a, uh, an experience he had with the Lord where Jesus came to him in a vision and said, I saw you in some of the situations that you had gotten into. And he said, you were in mud and he said, you couldn't get out. And he said, I was the only one that can get you out of that. And the Lord got him out of that and sat him on a rock. And I'm so glad that he's doing good today. His marriage is doing good and his ministry is um, just as anointed as ever. But it's, it's interesting. There are some things that through a mistake, maybe through our lack of knowledge, because it says in the word of God, uh, God said through lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. So we can only walk in the light that we have had exposure to, but we want to walk in that praise God and stay out of the mud. This is interesting because it may sound silly, but there's actually science behind being stuck in the mud and I've, I've actually been stuck in mud before where I could not pull my foot out. And I've, I've, there have been some other times I got stuck really bad and I got my feet out, but my shoes, I could not get my shoes out of the mud. And so some people have done uh, analysis on that and they've, got, they've taken it into the scientific realm. What happens when this takes place? Well, basically what happens is that when your foot that's in a boot gets into a certain type of mud, let's say you're at the beach and like a, like a marsh area of the beach and the tide has gone way out. And so you go out into the marshes and you, you're having a nice time. Maybe you're collecting oysters. You want to eat some oysters. Okay. Um, you're not familiar with Leviticus 11. And even if you are, you, you, you know, you're, Hey, uh, you're good to go through the blood of Jesus. So you're going to get yourself some oysters, but you get out there and your boots, your feet, they get stuck in the mud. You have a danger now. Why? The tide's going to come back in. There have been people who have drowned because they got stuck in mud and they could not get back to the dry ground or to the rock uh, in time. And they literally drowned because they, they were stuck. So, and there was nobody around there screaming and hollering and stuff like that. But what happens is when your foot is in the boot and the boot sinks down, then at the bottom of the boot and at the top of the there's a vacuum that's created where it actually sucks down. 
And it's a scientific uh, principle behind that. But there's a suction, and you cannot pull out of that. Now, there are some things that you can do to break it, some techniques that you can do. But if, you, or if you're not read up on this, and you're out in the wilderness by yourself, and you somehow get in a mess like that, yeah, it could be, uh, could be bad news, but I know God's going to protect all of his people. Amen. But you don't want to get stuck in the mud. You want to get unstuck so that you can go up woo, where you belong. Praise God. And also you don't want to be tangled up. You want to be untangled. Let's look at that real quick. Second Samuel chapter 18. You're getting free and you're getting happy and blessed. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 18. Let's go over the verse six. Let me grab a drink of tea. Verse six. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. Hmm. I had a battle one time in the woods of Moravian Falls. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Now, the scripture does not say that the bears or the lions or the honey badger or whatever out there in the forest got angry and started killing, you know, the children of Israel who were fighting against David's servants. It doesn't say that. It says the woods. It's like the woods, the vines and the roots and all of these branches and limbs. It's like they became alive and would reach out and trip. And the guy trips and falls on a sword or, or slips on a rock and falls backwards and knocks himself in the head and kills himself or on and on it goes. And we actually have an example in the very next verse, verse nine. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree and his head. Remember Absalom with all the hair. He was the most handsome man in Israel, one of the sons of David, but loaded with arrogance and pride because of his looks. And a lot of that had to do with his hair. So he got hung by his pride, hung by his head and that hair and his head caught in the terebinth tree. Uh, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth and the mule, which was under him went on. So he's caught, he's caught there and uh, what a mess. So it's like the forest is fighting against those who are on God's side. My friends, you want to get unstuck and you want to get untangled so that you can go up. Praise God. Maybe you got tangled up because it was something good for a season but then the season changed and it was time to close it out and move on. And that can be tough, but there's God's grace. But we also need to get unstuck when we need to, or else you can get, you can get hurt. Well, in Moravian Falls, we had this property. This is almost uh, getting close to 20 years now. Well, we had this property that was on the side of a mountain. And it was, it was a beautiful property, and it was the first property that me and Kelly owned debt-free, didn't own a penny on it. We owned this beautiful piece of land, and we thought, well, we can do ministry stuff on it, and we could even put a house over here. 
And I, I in my heart said, I'm going to go out there and start to clear some of that area of the land so that, uh, you know, it can be built upon in the near future. And I was excited. So when I wasn't out traveling and when I wasn't out ministering, I would go out to that property and I would uh, start to do some land clearing on, on a small scale. Uh, the only power equipment I had was a chainsaw. And I was kind of new to all of this. So when I went to the store, I bought the biggest chainsaw there was. And this thing was like terrifying. It was, it was something I shouldn't have gotten because it was beyond my skill level. But, you know, I was aggressive and I wanted to get that, that area cleaned up. And so uh, I start working this area and this went on for several months. And sometimes the neighbors would drive by and say, Oh, Wow, this is wonderful what you're doing, because it was going from like jungle forest to starting to look like, hey, wow, that's going to be a really nice site right there. And uh, the neighbors were thinking, hey, that's going to increase everybody's property value. And so I was getting compliments and I was out there working, getting good exercise and things like that. And one morning I woke up to go to that property, had all the gear, uh, had gotten back from a meeting. So I had some free time for a few days, uh, went out there with all my gear, chainsaw and all of this and that. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's like the Lord's presence was not there, but, but I was still determined. I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on this area. So I started up the chainsaw and as I was walking and cutting, uh, I began to trip and that was very, very unlike me. I begin to trip and be kind of, kind of like stumble and, uh, you know, slip as I would slip step over a fallen tree or something like that. And this kind of started going on. And then I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, that's enough. I want you to finish now. And I thought, well, Lord, I, I don't want to finish this. We own this land and uh, we've never been able to build on, on debt-free property before. And I, I want to finish. I want to keep working on this. And so um, I just kept on working. And the more I worked, the more I tripped. And I've got this chainsaw and I'm in this thing's like a monster. And I'm, I'm cutting stuff and I'm slipping and falling. And, uh, and, and I, I understand safety. I understand all that. And, I, and I'm, uh, but I'm just, I'm tripping all over the place. It's like vines were coming out and, and entangling my foot. And I'm trying to yank my foot out and I'm getting, I'm getting upset. And the Lord spoke again. I want you to stop now. And. I, and I heard the Lord just as clear as day, but I didn't want to stop because I wanted to develop this property. And I kept working a little bit more like for another three minutes and uh, you know, I'm working in it, but I'm also frustrated because nothing's going right. And with that chainsaw going full power, I slipped again and almost fell forward on it. And it scared me. And the Lord said, that's enough. I said, all right, all right, Lord. I said, it's looking so pretty. I said, I've never had a piece of property like this before, but I said, I'll stop. I'll stop. I said, I'll stop before I kill myself. <laughs> I mean, the forest of Moravian Falls was fighting against me. You, would, you wouldn't believe it. It was like roots. Vines would just tangle my legs. and I would fall. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I stopped and never turned the chainsaw on again on that property. Just backed off of it completely and didn't know. Did not know that sometime after that, that I would sell that property and then take the money and God, right when we had the money from the sale of the property, this church, this sanctuary 
And this beautiful property here in the heart of Moravian Falls opened up and became for sale. And we were able to take that money and use it as a down payment to purchase and buy this property. Praise God. So God was moving us forward. By the way, if you were ever to drive on the back mountain, back way back in the woods to that property where it's at today, and if you drove by it, you could not even tell today that one limb had ever been moved to make the property look better. It looks like an absolute jungle now. I mean, it looks crazy. You can't even tell that all of that work I did made any difference. It's all grown back up, and it looks crazier than it ever did before. Wow. Hallelujah. But that's okay. That's okay. God knew in his divine wisdom that that was just a temporary stopping place and that he had something better for me that would be the landing place. And so this is a property that we will keep until Jesus comes back or until I go home to be with the heaven, uh, with the Lord in heaven. But even if I leave, it's staying in the ministry. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we have the new property also, which is just a complimentary property where the studio will be built out in North Wilkesboro, right by the airport. So we've got the best of both worlds. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But sometimes in order to go up, you have to get uh, also untangled, untangled. And maybe you've invested into something, but God said, it's over. Walk away from it. Oh God, I put so much into it. Walk away. He's got something better. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Let's talk now after being uh, unstuck and untangled. Let's talk now about going up in the spirit, ascending in the spirit. First of all, we need to look at Psalm 141. Psalm 141, verse 1. A Psalm of David. Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me. So David needs a rush miracle, a rush answer, a prayer. And my friends, if you ever need that, God can come through for you right on the spot. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Now look at verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. So incense is a compounded mixture that is a dry mixture that you would put on hot coals that are burning. And then the incense will slowly burn and smoke will go up and it's a beautiful fragrance, and that is what is a representation of your prayer life. Well, that's wonderful, Pastor Stephen. So we ascend through prayer. Yes, you begin to go up as you begin to pray. But here's, here's what often happens. How do you pray when your flesh nature doesn't want to pray? Maybe your flesh nature wants to play video games all night long. Maybe your flesh nature wants to binge on movies. Maybe your flesh nature uh, wants to hijack your, your life and say, I'm just not into this prayer thing, so I'm not going to pray at all. So how do you go up as incense? Because incense rises when there is this opposition that's troubling you. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about it. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. The answer begins to unfold in verse 10. Now, we see that we need to pray because your prayer is like incense. As incense goes up, when you pray, your spirit begins to go up. Now, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. So when there is true stillness, there comes true revelation 
of the glory of God and of the goodness of God. Stillness in the mind produces serenity in your life. Now, when I previously mentioned the flesh nature, you have to understand that when your flesh wants to do things that would certainly not be spiritual and you don't want to pray, what you have to realize is that it's all connected and rooted to the carnal mind. So the flesh nature is responding to what we would call the mind of the flesh. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought that it, when I'm in Christ, I have the mind of the anointed one. You do positionally. And you do, in a sense, technically, that is where your thought life is supposed to be centered at. But you cannot, you cannot experience the reality of that without a vibrant prayer life. I'm going further. We're just getting started in the unfolding of this reality. It won't take long, but I want you to catch it as we move forward with it. Stillness in the mind produces serenity in your life. Praise God. Praise God. So the Lord wants us to establish mental quietness through prayer. The agitations of the flesh, the want to go out and do anything but pray. That is again rooted to the agitations of the carnal mind. Well, your mind is syncing up with your body and your mind is thinking, yeah, I don't want to pray. I certainly don't want to read my Bible. It's a beautiful day. I want to go out. And maybe it is a beautiful day. But there's a lot of mud out there. And there's a lot of uncleanness out there. That's what all the yucky, creepy crawlies at the bottom of the ocean represent. And there's a lot of mud out there. So if you're not going to get uh, in flight, what will happen is that instead of living the life as an eagle saint, a saint that can soar, you end up living a chicken life. And you know that the promises of the God are true in the Bible, but very hard for a chicken to get into the, uh, that because uh, you're on the earth. You're, you're all down there in the dirt, down there on where all the mud and the mire and the clay are at. So a, a lot of this, again, is centering around getting to know God through quietness. And that means you've got to get your mind quiet. The reason your body is agitated is because your mind is agitated. Even you can make your body sit still in a chair, but that doesn't mean your mind is calm and in a serene state. So you've got to get that carnal mind submitted. That's what they call it in the world of wrestling or mixed martial arts. You've got to get the carnal mind to tap out. And let's talk about a very effective way to do that. Now, in order to achieve mental quietness through prayer so that we can be still and know that God is, that he is on the throne and that he talks and that he leads us and that he guides us by the Holy Spirit, you, you can begin to go up immediately, even with your mind fighting it, even with your body agitated, you can begin to go up immediately by finding a place to sit down and begin to do nothing but pray in the spirit, speak in tongues. 
I'm using those phrases interchangeably. Praying in the Spirit is not always tongues. You can pray in the Spirit and be praying in the English when you're praying according to God's will. But when you speak in tongues and pray in tongues, you are praying according to the perfect will of God. So all you need to do is find a place where you can sit down, where it's quiet, and begin to pray in the Spirit, begin to speak in tongues. Now, when you first begin to do that, your mind may still be racing with, I don't want to be here. I want to be outside. I want to go to the fair. I want to go to the movies. I want to go to the circus. I want to go to the aquarium. I want to go anywhere but sit here and pray. But what will happen is that as you continue to sit there and pray and speak in tongues, what will happen is that you begin to go up. You will begin to go up. Now, let's talk just a little bit about the reality of how this works. The reality is that to achieve your cruising altitude, it takes a little while to get up there. Now, you could have a really good day. Maybe you woke up, you had an angel ticking, tickling your toe, and the angel said, this is your day. We're here all day long to make sure you have a glory day. Okay, great. Or you're already at cruising altitude. But normally, you have to take off and you have to reach your flight level cruising altitude. And with an airplane, it takes a little while to get up there. Okay? So you may sit there and be, begin to speak in tongues and maybe do it for 20 minutes, and still all of these crazy thoughts are going through your mind. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, thoughts that really are what we would call base, crude, carnal type thoughts, maybe of jealousy or unforgiveness or something like that. These things are just circulating still through your mind. Okay, what you have to do is just keep sitting there and you're going to get to know that, that God is real, but keep speaking in tongues, keep speaking in tongues for one hour. We're going to be very real today, sometimes for two hours, sometimes for three I'll tell you what, usually by the time, if you need to, you don't always, but if you need two hours of tongues to get to your cruising altitude where your, your mind is finally free and at peace, it's totally worth it. Usually it'll start to come off maybe uh, around an hour and 20 minutes, maybe by an hour 40, you just can tell that stuff is melting. It's melting you. It's leaving you alone. What's happening? It's just like in mixed martial arts. Somebody's going to get submitted here. Somebody's going to get taken down and get either arm locked, arm barred, whatever. So they have to tap out because there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. So what you have to do is you have to keep speaking in tongues with your mind focused on the things of God as much as possible while you're fighting all the crazy stuff. So you keep doing that and you keep doing that. Just don't get up. I mean, if you've got to go to the bathroom or, you know, answer an emergency phone call, okay, take care of it. Go right back to your spot and just keep doing that. This is also why early in the morning it's much easier because you have less interruptions and it's quieter and it's, it's a lot easier to just have your mind still. But if you have gotten behind and this stuff has hijacked you and it has the upper hand on you and you feel like a, a Christian chicken, you, you sense I'm really earthbound. I don't really feel any kind of flight level all here. I feel no bounce. I'm, I'm on some serious terra firma. Okay, then what you need to do is get from a position of being behind the curve to where you're ahead of the curve. Hallelujah. And stuff's not catching you off guard. The enemy is not throwing you for loops with weird stuff that pops up, but you're already ready for anything because you're prayed up. 
Praise God. So, yes, that's how you do it. And you sit there and you pray and you pray and you pray. Woo! Let me say this. The longer you sit there speaking in tongues, the more the carnal mind dies out until its voice is gone. It just tapped out, said, I quit. I'm out. Can't handle this. <laughs> and it leaves you alone. It leaves you alone. Then what happens? Serenity in your mind. Serenity. That's where the warfare is at. That's where the battle is at. Your heart, your spirit, not when I say heart, I'm not talking about your blood pumping heart, but your spirit that was recreated and born again in the image of God. You want to pray all the time. You want to serve God all the time, but your mind is where the battleground is at. So you have to win that war and you, you do that. Just pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. And the carnal mind shuts down. It leaves you alone, leaves you alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No longer do you want to go out and drink a whole bottle of vodka. No, no longer do you want to go out and do something crazy and stupid that you're going to regret later. But all of that has been submitted. Mm, praise God. See, here's what happened for me when I grew up in church. When I was raised in church, all the emphasis was get saved, give your life to Jesus, and if you do, he'll forgive you of all your sins. And that's true. He'll give you new life and you get a fresh, you, you get a brand new start. Okay. Cause you're born again. Uh, but they never taught me, at least in my church. Okay. So what happens after you're Christian, after you're born again and you sin, or you have struggles in certain areas, or you have maybe like the proverbial Achilles heel, where you have a weak area in your life and you're losing that area. Uh, wh wh what do you do about that? There's no solution. You just grunt through it, bear through it, and ask God to forgive you after you've had another whooping put on you by the devil. Mm -mm. But this is how you go up, stay up, and you get into that place where the mind of Christ is functioning in your brain. When I'm talking about your brain, your thought life. And yes, it can affect your physical organic brain as well. Mm. God didn't make anybody stupid. There is a spirit of stupid. Absolutely. Praise God. Hallelujah. But God didn't make anybody stupid. And the closer you get to God, the more of what's on him is touching you. And it affects your mind. It affects the way you think. It affects your IQ, affects your brain. Sin makes people stupid. I don't care if you have a PhD in astrophysics. Sin makes people stupid. It makes people do stupid things. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Extended prayer is not just for Christian monks that live in a monastery. It's not just for Christian nuns that live in a convent. It's not for mystics that you read about in church history, nor is it for great saints that we hold up as having these iconic walks that bring inspiration to us. But extended prayer is for you. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And the choice is yours. It's, it's wide open for you to step into, find your chair and begin to go up, 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 up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Where the eagles soar. That is where you belong. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Prayer will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer. I think I need to say that again. Prayer will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer. And again, a lot of this battle is all in the mind. 
the renewed mind and the mind of Christ is disciplined to pray and knows that it is the oxygen that your spirit man breathes. But the carnal mind, if he ever hijacks the throne of your life, the carnal mind wants to run around and find anything to do but pray. I mean, it'll say, we need to mow the grass. The grass is too high. Look at those weeds out there. You need to get up over here, over here, sitting over here, wasting time praying. You need to go pull those weeds. Well, we'll deal with the weeds later. We'll wash the vehicle later. We'll uh, tidy some things up later, but we're going to put first things first. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Very quickly, very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's why your carnal mind begins to just to like, oh, I just give up. Carnal, the carnal mind says, I can't handle this. This isn't doing anything for me. And your spiritual mind says, yes, that's exactly right. The mind of Christ is kicking in because it's your spirit communicating directly to God. And you don't understand what you're praying unless you interpret it in uh, what you're speaking in tongues. You interpret it back in English. And you don't always need to do that. But it is your spirit communicating with God and strength begins to infuse into you the longer you stay there and the longer you keep doing it. And if you have time while you're in cruising altitude and you're up there having a good time, you might just want to go for a long flight. Maybe you want to go for three hours. Maybe you want to go for four. And then you'll be like, oh, so this now I'm beginning to understand what some of these saints were talking about in these um, glory realms, which is for every believer, if you're willing to just be still and know that God is there, that God is real, and that His Word is working for those that believe it. Praise God forever. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up himself. Now, we are also told that in the Greek language, the word edify has a very similar word in our English language, and that is the word charge. So for all of these electric vehicles, and I'm not really into electric vehicles, I'm, I'm way more convinced and sold on uh, traditional gas vehicles. And I don't believe, by the way, just for those that are curious, I don't believe there is an oil shortage. I don't believe that oil is a fossil fuel. I don't believe that oil comes from dead dinosaurs and decayed plant matter. I believe, just as Dr. Vinegar did for Shell Oil Company, their most brilliant scientist that they ever had on their team, that oil is generated from something that takes place within a mechanism of the earth's core where certain things happen, certain things are done that causes a perpetual release of the things that this planet needs. And God put man on this planet. Everything that we need is on this planet. We don't need to go off to Mars. If you want to do exploration, that's fine, but we don't, there's nothing that we need somewhere else. Everything that we need is here. And we're not, we're not about to run out of anything. We're not running out of gold or silver. We're not running out of oil. We're not running out of any of this stuff. This other stuff is all a false narrative, only leading to an antichrist system. That's why there's a lie to lead to an antichrist system. Praise God. Amen. So verse uh, four tells us that we build up a charge. 
Hallelujah. That's my EV that I'm purchasing. I'm purchasing 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. We need to have a federal mandate that we all get charged by speaking in tongues. <laughs> That's the charge people need. Praise God. Mm -mm. Nothing against those that like electric vehicles. I like them, but they're not realistic. They're still a luxury item and uh, always will be. And they're not green. Uh, the mining that it takes to create an electric vehicle is some of the filthiest, dirtiest, pollutionist, uh, polluting type activity on the face of the planet. Praise God. Amen. I like technology and I like advancement in science, but I don't like stupid uh, false lies. I don't like lies. Praise God. Amen. When you speak in tongues longer and longer, you build the charge, you build the charge and your mind begins to get refreshed and gets quiet. So your spirit becomes dominant. Praise the Lord. But people, people want to have this fake world in Christianity where they think they can have a seven minute devotional time and then go out and be like the apostle Paul. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not possible. We're not into legalism. We're not into, you have to do this much or that. We're not into that. But you know how long it takes to fill up your gas tank? You know how long it takes to charge your electric vehicle if that's what you drive? And you know how long it takes for you to get to your cruising altitude, to go up? You know how long it takes? So let's not kid ourselves and be like a little spiritual pansy and think we can have a little three-minute song, a little hymn and a poem, and then we're going to go out and we're going to conquer giants. It's not going to happen. Praise the Lord. So you have to take your walk with the Lord seriously. If you want to win the fight of faith that stands before you and so that you possess the land that God has promised you. But you remember, you got to go up and fight for it and take it by faith. Amen. And so you're going to need to be strong. Mm. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power. It's the power of God unto salvation. The whole thing about the gospel is power. If you take the power out, it's just another, it's just like another religion. This gospel is supposed to have power. Your Christian life is supposed to have power. You need to sit there and spend time with the Lord until you're charged, until you're full. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Glory to God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that, that no matter how hard a chicken flaps its wings, it can't, it can't go up like an eagle can. So, Father, I thank you for your people. This is a spiritual flight upward. This is your spirit lifting them as they fellowship with you. I pray, Father, that they know the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that they know the joyful sensation of when the carnal mind taps out and begins to shut off and shut down and get quiet. The joy, the joy of seeing that defeat is incredible. And enforcing that defeat is incredible. Father, we thank you. Let that strength come into your people as they meet you on a daily basis. And we give you the praise. And I thank you that they're ready for anything. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. We have too many talking heads in the church today. Preachers that are trying to scare and terrify the church of talking about possible nuclear war, talking about all of this. It's like you want to say, just stop talking because you're talking out of your head. You're a professional babbling head talker. And you've been talking for years and years and years, and it's just fluff and puff to keep uh, talking for the purposes of financial gain. Talking heads. And it doesn't build your faith. It doesn't edify you or anything like that. Because it's not what God is saying. It's not what God is saying. It's what they're coming up with in their thinking. And maybe they're brilliant people. Maybe they're very good thinkers. But that doesn't mean that's what God's saying. And so it makes people afraid. It makes people pull back. It makes people paralyzed because of fear. And now, now they won't go to Israel or now that now they won't even go out of their house. Now they won't, uh, the, they won't start the new business because, well, who cares? The whole world's going to fall. The di- the dollar's going to collapse or this or that, or, and, and, and they don't do anything because of all the babbling heads. So a lot of that needs to be turned off and you only listen to that which builds you up, which is faith, which is prophetic, which is apostolic, but it's got the bite of victory to it because if it doesn't have the victory to it, then that's not the gospel. Praise God. The gospel has power, power. Praise the Lord. Amen. That power is flowing in you right now to go forward, to go upstream when the world which is full of unbelief is going downstream. Mm-mm. This is your brightest moment. This is your moment to shine. This is your moment to break out and the breakthrough and to go in the new territory. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, heaven is real. Hell is just as real. Eternity is is real. You're going to spend your eternity in one place or the other. Choose this day whom you will serve, be it the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you don't know Jesus, you're still under the control and the dominion of the dark Lord, Satan himself. So come over to the Lord Jesus. He offers you eternal life. He offers you forgiveness of sins, and he offers you a bright future. Praise God. Call upon him right now and he will save you. I want to lead you in prayer. But I also want those to pray who at one time used to serve the Lord, but perhaps backslid or walked away from the Lord or went off in the sin. And you only wanted to stay a little while, but you've been there for years. It's time to come back right now. Jesus will wash you clean. Come on out of the pig pen. And come back into the family of God. Jesus will put a clean robe on you. He'll put a ring on your finger. And he will completely forgive you. I want you to come back to the Lord today. You pray this prayer also. Everybody now let us pray. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give my life to you. Wash all of my sins away. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life today and lead me and guide me in all that I do. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me in your name. I pray. Amen. Woo. Glory to God. And if you prayed that prayer, I would love to hear from you so I can rejoice with 
the Lord and the mighty angels. Email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's take Holy Communion. I want you to grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is the body of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus never sinned. So, Father, that's why we use unleavened bread, because leaven was a, a type of sin, represented sin. We thank you, Father, that we receive the Lord's body with great thanksgiving. We thank you, Father, that your promises are true, and that you're moving us forward in your will and your plan for our lives. And I thank you that when your people reach the end and they cross over, they'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, let the anointing of prayer, the spirit of prayer come upon your people unlike anything they have ever experienced or encountered before. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. This, this will be a year of intense prayer and intense victory. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's flesh. Somebody says, well, Pastor Stephen, I tried, I tried praying in the Spirit, uh, and not, nothing happened. You simply didn't pray long enough. What would you pray, for 20 minutes? You, you, if you went to a psychologist, they're going to keep you there longer than that. If you went to see the psychi psychiatric um, uh, counselor, they're going to keep you there longer than that. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Sit there and just pray in the Spirit for 20 minutes, for an hour. For an hour and 20, for two hours. I mean, you go to, we, people go, Christians go to movies all the time. Some, some of the movies nowadays are three hours long and not one complaint, not one complaint the entire time. Sit, sit there and just pray in the spirit three hours. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Get into the glory and then maintain. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for clarity. No muddy waters. No living on the bottom. We're staying on the top. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus and crystal clear vision of where we're going and of who we belong to. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now together receive the blood of Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you want to win, you'll pay the price. If you're, if you're uh, you know, just used to receiving, being on the losing end, and you're willing to um, just live with that, then that's what a person chooses to do. But if you're choosing life more abundantly and you want to win, then you're willing to go and be with the Lord so that his strength becomes your strength. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, 
Some things don't change just because we go into a new generation. Some things don't change just because the clothing styles change. Some things are eternal. And if you want to get strong, you've got to go to the gym and put your time in. And if you want to go up and you want to, you want to soar at the Lord, you have to go and put your time in. There are no shortcuts. There are no, uh, uh, cheat modes. There are, uh, no illegal steroids allowed in God's kingdom. Mm -mm. And those who use them in the natural are cheaters and they know it. Mm. Not only do they know it, they're also destroying their liver, their kidneys, and in many other areas of their body, they are damaging. But with the Lord, we pay, we pay the true price tag, and you enjoy the true benefits. Praise God. Praise the Lord. This is something where you can help others who have been defeated over and over, because the Lord's strength will come into you when you wait upon Him. Now, Father, I speak blessing over your people. I thank you that even the enemy knows they are no pushover. Your people, O oh God, are strong. They are a force to be reckoned with because they are in you. And I thank you, Father, for victory exuding out of them. And I thank you for taking them forward step by step with great success. Now, Father, we give you all the praise because this victory is ours through Christ. Bless your people. Thank you, Father, for their strong prayer life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.